Hey, one, two, one, two, one, two. Perfect. One, two, one, two. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Sucker, sucker, dick. <laughs> sucker, dick. Sucker, dick. Sucker, dick. Sucker, sucker, sucker. Piss and shit and piss and shit and. <laughs> Welcome once again aboard Beef Station. Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I'm Andrew. And I'm Oscar again. Well, you already introduced yourself, so you fucked it. <laughs> There's not two Oscars. There's, just the There's one two Oscar. Oscars. That's the scariest bit about this, bitch. It's just the one Oscar, All right, actually. we're back. Uh, this is like the third time we've come out of lockdown. I feel like we've had a victorious exit of lockdown episode where we've been... Oh, yeah. We've, the first we've torn time the ribbon across the finish line multiple, multiple times Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so for the last few episodes, uh, we've been recording like remotely in different locations. I'd like to think that we've and done this... doing a fucking good job of very it. Very, very yeah. well. You a lot of some professional podcasts. They sound like shit, Doctor, man. Yeah, we, what we're are you doing? doing? Skype audio? What the fuck is fucking wrong Fucking excellently. You? Thank yeah. you very much. If anyone is like surprised that the last few episodes we've been in separate parts of Canberra, we fucking know. We're yeah. kings at this shit. Oscar's driven to my house and nearly killed me because he says that we're out of sync and we're not. Yeah. We're not. There we're been, right. There's been a few times where we forgot to do like a one, we've two, three... The- Clap, clap yeah. sync, clap that you're supposed <laughs> to do to line the audio tracks up, and so we've had to like sync off of our like ching 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 like or, news music, music. Sorry, yep. it's been a nightmare. But and here I've we been are. like, that was in time. Oscar was like, that was not in time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> for the very very final time, here we are, back out of lockdown forever, never to go back into lockdown. This is the very very very. Well, last we're, we're vaxxed now, time. so the next lockdown is because the Pfizer vaccine has been turning people into fucking zombies. That's what the next <laughs> lockdown oh, in, is. Into what? Into what? Speaking of which, <laughs> Ooh, this is our fifth annual spooktacular extravaganza. Fifth annual? Oh, we're well, not annual. We do it annually, but we've also done a few but more. We've done so five it's of the them. Fifth, <laughs> okay, all right. It's the fifth one. It's the fifth spooktacular. So it's the annual. Well, it's not the annual fifth. It's the annual Spooktacular, the and it's the fifth time we've done it. Mike. Okay. It's right. the fifth time we've done a Spooktacular. It's Spooktacular 5, right. which we do annually. Right. But also in the first year of the podcast, we did it three times. Okay. So it's like Treehouse of Horror, but we do more than one per right. year. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit like that. Great. Great. Here okay. we are. So this week, we are doing two, because it's, of course, Spectacular and Spooky, hence the Spooktacular. Yeah, that's where we get the portmanteau yeah, that, from. That, yeah, that's where we got it from. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, but, uh, so we, we're doing uh, two movies. Spectacular. We're doing, what are we doing? We're doing two, Spectacular. Fuck! <laughs> Is that Spe- been, that's been done before, That's right? awesome. Surely. Probably not. It's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's been around. That idea has been around for a long time. <laughs> this Surely is sick. some other dumb fucks had it and gone, Spook Dracula. <laughs> I bet I can make $100,000 off that alone. We're, we are the first dumb fucks in podcasting, proudly. Um, yeah, so uh, we have done a few of these, and to keep up with tradition of the Spooktaculars, this isn't a Spooktacular where we do normal movies. This is a Spooktacular where we do spooky horror movies. That's right. 
Ooh. That would be pretty good if it was just a spooktacular. Spooktacular. Like, We're doing the Irishman. Uh, How spooky is that? Irishman. <laughs> uh, we both give it the same movie. That's sick. Um, so we are doing uh, a horror classic, a mm. staple of the genre, Night of the Living Dead, which was directed by George Romero and came out in 1968. And we're Correct. also doing Pumpkinhead which came out in 1989 and is a special Andrew request. And I'm not quite sure why we chose to watch Pumpkinhead. We can get into that later. <laughs> sure. I don't really know how you find out about it. But Pumpkinhead is more of like a... Schlocky 80s horror. Yeah, schlocky, dumb dumb 80s monster horror monster movie, movie that I would yeah. put in the same category as like a... I don't know. I haven't seen enough of these, but it'd be like a like a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street type yeah. schlocky yeah. B tier horror movie that came right. out in Fuck off. 1988. B tier, shitty. One of those. You'd have to be a fucking idiot boring, to even recommend that you do it with your friend on a podcast that you do since primary school. It's fucking dumb. Yeah, those kind of movies. Those, those kind of dumb movies. movies. Those dumb, dumb movies. shit <laughs> movies that are bad. <laughs> yeah, you get it. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. So that's so, what we're doing. Uh, as always, we're not going to spoil these until we give you a heads up. I reckon we're probably going to end up spoiling the fuck out of Pumpkinhead and maybe oh, not yeah. spoiling as much of Night of the Living Dead, but we'll give you a bit of yeah, a heads up. Yeah, sure. Um, we're going to get into a bit of news first. Yeah. So should we should we get going with the, should we, uh, should we go with the, 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 the news music? The music? Let's do it. Was I off pitch there? Beef Bulletin. Beef Bulletin. I was fucking off pitch. I don't I was... know. I was focusing so hard on getting the timing right. I reckon in my After old... multiple episodes of that being a physical impossibility. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, didn't I, notice. I reckon in my old age I was a bit off pitch there. Right. I've listened back and yes, you were absolutely off pitch. That's a fat L. Sorry, boss. Sorry to all the pe- all the listeners out there with perfect pitch. That's right. It happens to McCartney as well, bro. You don't need to, to worry who? about it. Who? I don't know. Huh? Um, all right. So here we are. Uh, we got a little bit of news. Uh, the first well, bit of news yeah. was uh, the most... So we don't ask for listener-submitted stories on Beef Station, but this is, without a doubt, the listener-submitted news story that we have had flooding in the most. Yeah. We had... Two listeners <laughs> send this in saying, like, this is a crazy fucking headline. You cunts are surely talking yeah, about this. Yeah, I podcast, messaged right? you about it um, being like, I've got an insane headline. Little did I know it would be like national news for several fucking days. Yeah. So I think that, like, because of, the, because of how long it takes us between drinks to get through to episodes, uh, this was, I think, it was one of those headlines. So this is the one where Alex, Alec Baldwin shot someone on yeah. set of Rust, which is a movie that's coming out at some shot. point. Director uh, of photography, Helena Hutchins. Yeah. So I, I think it's one of those headlines where when you read it and you don't have, like, your, your, empathy switch engaged like I never do you're like that's a funny headline yeah but it's gone on and it's stayed in the news cycle for so long that it's it's become tragic the more that the more news that comes out about like the systematic like negligence that's happened uh on set and you hear about how like it was a scrappy cheap set where I don't know if you've been, but I've been reading a whole bunch. I've of been stuff reading there. a fucking lot because obviously this is very prescient right. for the career and the industry that I want to fucking so, work in. Yeah, but, basically, uh, if yeah. you haven't been keeping up to date with movie news because you're normal, uh, Alec Baldwin 
uh, is the executive producer and I think he's, ju- he's he's a producer I've heard, and a star. I've heard executive. I think he's just a normal producer on this, and that does make a difference. He's a producer, and he's the star of a movie coming out that was being shot at the moment called Rust. Uh, and there was a shot where Alec Baldwin gets like a it's like a Western movie. He gets this revolver and he points it at the camera and shoots. Imagine like a James Bond kind of kind of thing. Show, yeah, right? uh, and. To cut a long story short, Alec Baldwin shoots this gun, and it's not like a blank in the gun. There's a live round. Well, live round is an industry term that can also mean a blank. It just means that there is literally some sort of there's a round bullet in the gun in the gun. Yeah, but I mean, there have been uh, precedents like Bruce Lee's uh, son Brandon Lee on the set of The Crow, who was killed with a blank. That lodged in the chamber, and then another blank round fired, right. and used the blank. And I've seen so I've live seen... round just means this gun is right. dangerous. Okay, basically. great. Well, and I've seen like props people talk about how like if you get a gun with a blank in it that has like shrapnel stuck in it, that's shrapnel yeah. at close range. The point is that Alec Baldwin fired this gun, and it was not empty. It had shit in the gun, and it went. Sh- Killed the cinematographer and went through the cinematographer yeah. and hit the director behind them. The cinematographer. She did. Yeah, Helena uh, Hutchins, director, uh, up and coming, uh, up and coming cinematographer. A lot of people admired her work a lot. Also, like, uh, hate that it's in this light, but one of the few like up and coming working female cinematographers. So yeah. I don't know. That just makes so, it all the worse. I I'll think. be the first to say I agree. Funny headline. <laughs> Alec Baldwin in a morbid, in a morbid, sick, dark way. An insane Well, headline. before you really scratch the surface of it, yeah. But I yeah. will say, let no one... Listen to no one that says this was an accident, because in... Well, it can be an accident, but it's like negligence. Right. I, I think that the real... The, the headline um, can be a little deceptive here, because um, realistically, there's so many... Uh, avoidable failings that happened here to allow yeah. this event to transpire. Yeah. And like, you would know more about this than I would, but both of us don't... I'm talking out of my eyes. You would know infinitely more than I would because you've worked sure. on film sets. But like, my point is like, there's been heaps of speculation about like, from like prop people online being like, why didn't they do this established industry practice thing about clearing guns? Yeah. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't this... You hear all sorts of insane anecdotal stories about, like, uh, in the last week, about, like, all the sorts of, like, standard practice things that usually happen on film sets with guns anecdotally. This film set had already had multiple yeah, people, uh, prop gun misfires. People apparently complained that morning Six about working conditions earlier, on set. Camera crew they were, walked like, off set. Working long hours. But, like, I already know that working long hours on film sets is pretty standard. They so, were like, working... The, well, it's standard, but it's also bullshit. It's bullshit. They were yeah, working 17-hour exactly. days... With a one-hour drive either yeah. side to get to set because the production company refused to pay for a hotel for their crew yeah. closer to the set. So it meant that they were getting like effectively 19 hours of a workday before you get home. So it sounds like there was like systematic corner Completely, cutting happening yeah. here. The first AD like- sounds like a huge fucking piece of shit who's also been reported on other film sets for firearm negligence and the yeah. first AD is responsible for onset safety. He's the head of onset safety, essentially. Yeah. And he was the one who called out cold gun before handing it to Alec Baldwin. 
Yeah, it's not a so, cold gun if it's got blanks in it. Crazy story. Yeah. So this is a massive tragedy, but it did have us written all over it. So I had to. Well, it's just <laughs> fucking terrible, it. and I think it's kind of one of those stories that's um, extended beyond like niche film news, and also yeah. like not to get on my Marxist bullshit too much, but I will say. Um, this is corporations taking advantage of working class. Well, there are huge like strikes cutting going corners. on in the states. Yeah. Massive strikes going on in the states at the moment um, from all sorts of industries. Like John Deere uh, workers are striking. Love those guys in an unprecedented oh, fuck. fucking uh, <laughs> unprecedented manner. So, and obviously the IATSE strikes that are going on in the states. The film mm-hmm. kind of like all of the what's called below the line, which is like mostly the crew workers yeah. in the States uh, have um, elected to go on strike because of these working conditions. And so this is a story that's actually about labor rights. It's about unions and um, highlighted systemic exploitations by large production companies that are rushing their sets. They're uh, taking advantage of their crew and they're grinding them to the fucking bone yeah. to try and make a film as cheaply and as quickly as possible. I, I really and hope that this makes literally a, people die. Yeah. I really hope this makes a difference. Uh, like, it's still hilarious. I mean, th- th- this is this is a fucking movie podcast, not a fucking politics podcast. But like, I still think that like the idea that like someone gets shot on a film set and they're like, "Uh, should we ban guns on film sets?" Like, fucking. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people talking about that. I mean, yeah, like, like ban guns. What are you talking about? Ban guns on film sets. The problem is that there are ways to do it safely, and if you're doing everything properly, there shouldn't be a risk. And I think the problem yeah. is when you know you've like you've got these extensive protocols in place. So I know that we, like we don't want to be political, but I, it's not. I like just we mean it's a bit of a bummer. Like I, I feel like yeah. there are people out there that talk about it a lot more. I think it's a lot better to than talk about. Too, I think though. so as well. Like, yeah. I don't know. I know a lot about it. I've been following it because it's the job yeah, that I want. Maybe so I feel unqualified to talk about it in a way that's any more yeah, sure. any any more value the than is, the speculative shit that's already online. Where it's it's just like working on a work site, right? Like a like a. Um, like a tradie side. If you're if your person who's responsible for the equipment that could potentially be life threatening yeah. is fucking worked to the bone, is sleep deprived, they're not focused or they're inexperienced because they've been fired. It's like a the union guy has been yeah. fired and they've brought in some fucking cheap yeah. labor. It's like a systematic problem, right? Right. Yeah. So I think it's also important, and it's not just a film thing. This is like a it's a labor problem, but it's yeah. very uh, the film that the thing is like film they always have this excuse of like well you you work here because you love it you love the craft and so yeah. you want to fucking stay here because it's for the passion of the thing right yeah. well yeah but when you're working as crew that's not good enough like you also yeah. want to buff- to have a fucking life you want to have work-life balance you want to have good working conditions and you want to be fucking safe yeah I so suppose it's a labor problem when i initially saw the story i had hoped that it was this insane freak accident that was no one's fault and that therefore in a dark way you could have a bit of fun with it yeah sure yeah but I, like, I think the more I just, you learn about it it's just i just not hate bad. that the more you learn about it exactly the more it was like yeah. a very systematic avoidable problem and i think like once again it's a fault of our recording schedule <laughs> That we could have had fun with this story if we recorded when the news dropped. I think I don't know. Like I get, I get that it's a very memeable headline, but like it's a funny headline. But it was awful watching it go through. Awful enough that someone died. Even worse that it was this very avoidable, stupid fucking problem. Yeah, Uh, I think once again you scratch the surface and like, oh look, it's systemic problems. Yeah, Uh, I got a whole bunch of other quick headlines that we can go through. I think let's let's do them. So uh, I don't know how long it's been since we recorded that episode, but uh, a few weeks ago, Paul Thomas Anderson dropped a headline, uh, dropped a trailer for his new film, Licorice Pizza. 
Right. Which is a reference to a series of record stores that were in LA in like the 70s. And they're licorice pizzas because they're black. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't, you don't get they it. They look like a pizza that's made out of fuck. licorice. Uh, no, yeah, I get it. I'm no, 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 Yeah, 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 you get it. I'm Steve Buscemi with a backwards <laughs> cap and a skateboard. I understand. <laughs> uh, uh, Alana Haim, the musician, is acting in it in her film debut alongside the, act- the, the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, Cooper Hoffman. Uh, yep. That looks sick. The trailer looks sick. And it's a perfect trailer if you haven't seen it for Licorice Pizza where it gives you a great vibe of what the movie's going to feel like but you still don't know anything about the movie after you've watched it. I which I think is perfect as a trailer because you get this like nice mood that you're like, I'm into that. And then right. it doesn't spoil anything. Or it gives you enough... It gives you like a nice little tapestry of like what the movie's going to be about that you're going to forget by the time you go and see it. Sounds like a perfect trailer. Yeah, exactly. Looks fucking sick. How's this for a headline? I think screen. <laughs> You're just burping your like way no. through the news. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you, you mute all of these. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Listen to like, what the fuck is he talking about? Just Don't give you me more work to fucking do. Fucking <laughs> straw man, my boy. He's not belching at all. No one's um, belch. No one's belch. No one's belch. You got a belch, Jerry. You got a belch. He says, fuck. He didn't cut it out. <laughs> you got to cut. You belch. You got to cut. You got to cut, cut this, right? Yeah, I'll cut it. <laughs> <laughs> he belched right into the mic, Jerry. Can you tell Oscar's been watching. A fucking unhealthy <laughs> amount of Seinfeld recently. <laughs> I've watched Screen zero rant. Seinfeld. I'm it's just great. a good yes and. Screen Rant. Thank you. Screen Rant constantly delivers on best headlines in the business. How do you like this, right? Ant-Man 3 secretly cast Bill Murray. The actor reveals. <laughs> right. The a- okay. So it's Bill Murray blubbing. Accidentally? Did he have an NDA? Like, did he fuck up? Or was like... Uh, well, well I, when I was on the set of the Ant-Man I 3 they're Oh not, shit I assume they're not thrilled about it Nah they probably are It's yeah. probably a fucking ad um, Hashtag ad While he didn't <laughs> While he didn't say the film by name He did reference the director's previous film Which was uh, Had these people involved Confirming that the Marvel movie Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania Will have Bill Murray in <sighs> it Jesus fucking Christ Okay um, Bill Murray says he's not really interested in superhero films and says his role is most likely a one-off. Yeah, I'm not really interested in superhero films. Uh, my bank balance yeah. was looking a little unhealthy, so I signed on to one. Uh, this is a, a fuck. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I haven't not read this quote the whole way through, but I'm going to commit to it. You ready? I'm going to go for right. a Bill Murray, like not an impression, but like an invocation. Okay, I think he's got a pretty nuanced voice. I reckon you'll struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Off you go. <laughs> You know, recently I made a Marvel movie. I probably won't tell you, but never mind. In any case, some people were quite surprised why I decided on such a project. But for me, the thing was quite clear. I got to know the director and really liked him very much. He was funny, humble, everything you want from a director. And with the cheerleader story, Bring It On, Girls United, he made a movie years ago, which I think is damn good. So I agreed. Although I'm not interested in these huge comic book adaptations as an actor. Otherwise, let's put it this way. The movie... The director is a good guy. And now I've at least tried out what it's like to shoot a Marvel movie. But I don't think I need that experience a second time. And to come back to your previous question, I have mostly had a pretty good knack for avoiding the nasties of this industry. Fortunately, most good artists are also good people. At least that's how I experienced it with my friends. I realized halfway through that that it wasn't worth continuing, but I figured I was nailing the impression so much I would be doing the listen as a disservice if I bailed out of it. I'm assuming there's like a Bill Murray machine learned voice online. <laughs> and so I'm just going to try and plug what you said into that too. And I can do like... Brilliant. A, 
side by side comparison. Here's another one. Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Idris Elba says Knuckles' voice will not, not be sexy. sexy. <laughs> no, no sexy tales. I'm so happy you I saw I love that. this. He's uh, he's asking he's asking the the fa- he knows the fans are horny. Fuck yeah. Okay? He knows that there's a subcomponent of the yeah. Sonic the Hedgehog films is just relentlessly fucking, I fucking boned up for tales. And he is not pandering. Dude, I love Screen Rant. I want to get a fucking writing gig with these people. <laughs> when he was first introduced in Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Knuckles wasn't exactly best friends with Sonic. Instead, the echidna was positioned as a minor antagonist, a muscle-bound brute easily tricked by Dr. Robotnik into fighting Sonic, only to realize later on that Eggman was the true enemy all along. By all accounts, the version of so- Knuckles in Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the movie, will follow that same story, likely joining Sonic in in the battle against Dr. Eggman before the movie ends. What? Right. Spoiler alert. <laughs> the so casting of Elba in the pre in the role of Knuckles was a curious was curious news to say the least, given the actor's general type of suave British rogues. Blah blah blah, not sexy. Next headline. Stellan Skarsgard wanted more nude scenes in Dune. Alright. I don't want any fucking Dune news. Well, that's it. You get the fuck out of here with your Dune news. All, okay? I, all I got to say is that though it meant he needed more time in the makeup chair, Stellan Skarsgård wanted more nude scenes for his character in Denise Villeneuve's right, so Dune by Rachel LaBont published one day ago. He got that still suit only on his dick. Mm-hmm. That's all right. I'm okay. That's all right. Also, I, I'm like, okay, so the reason I... I literally have try- been trying to avoid anything related to Dune. Andrew's in a suicide like, pact. If if he finds out one thing about new about I've Dune, the, he's I've done. I've read the book. I've read the book. <laughs> I know what happens, but I am still like, get. I, I don't want to see any still screenshots. Okay, I don't want to see any. I don't want to see the way it looks. I don't want to see who's in it. Yeah. I literally want to experience this yeah. fully clean. I'm annoyed that I know that Timothy Chalamet is in it because all I can think about is fucking Paul Atreides, Timothy yeah. Chalamet's dumb fucking head. <laughs> Yep. Just a, yeah. Quick headlines: uh, Donald Trump Jr. is selling shirts on his Instagram for twenty nine ninety nine that say "Guns don't kill people." Alec Baldwin kills people. Uh, John Cena, for some oh, reason, no. apologized to China. Uh, oh, that's because Alec Baldwin is anti-gun, by the way, and he's like a huge liberal, and fucking mm. conservatives fucking hate him. So of yeah. course they would choose to make fun of him when yeah. they support. Deregulation yeah, that he led g- to this fucking yeah, woman's he, death. Yeah, but he killed people. Alex, Alec Bolt, if you think about it, it's I'm Alec gonna fucking fault. kill people. If you think about I'm it, I'm gonna kill. My, my, I'm gonna have this, to self censor that. This, <laughs> this motherfucker cosplaying as Alec, Alec Baldwin right now. I'm gonna right have now. to fucking cut that out. I. <sighs> mm. And lastly, Ryan Gosling is making a Wolfman movie with the director from Place Behind the Place Beyond. Place Beyond Place Behind. behind the pines place behind the pines isn't the place beyond that's an excellent point <laughs> yeah it is place beyond the pines but the fucking headline says place behind the pines what the fuck screen rant <laughs> <laughs> moving right along moving right along we are Normally, not doing a beefness or pleasure this week i would like you all to know that i watched midnight mass this week but i've been censored i've been censored that's right Oscar's by my a conservative co-host. It's been cancelled, <laughs> and thus we will not be doing. We will my not co-host be doing does not want my voice heard. Good luck. Beefness or pleasure this week. I've been censored. There will be no beefness or pleasure this week. Okay, even though I've been I know silenced. You love it. 
But uh, yes, no, Oscar. By the fucking radical left yep. sitting opposite me. I have no beef, or pleasure. I've got some beef with you, Nissal Pleasure, you but motherfucker. Anyway, you can hear about fucking whatever the fuck you watch next week. All we're right, doing, so we're straight on into Night of the Living Dead. Welcome to a night of total terror. <laughs> Neither let me get. All right, so I watched a tiny bit of history of zombie movies on YouTube. So this is one of those things where I regurgitate a video essay. But right. basically, um, thank you to Nerdwriter. Zombies, thank you. To, <laughs> shout out to Nerdwriter for sponsoring our Patreon. Um, zombies uh, are part of like Haitian folklore, so they were like within the realm of Uh-oh. like cultural knowledge from about like the 19th century, with like people knowing that Haitians have some shit with zombies going on. Okay. The first appearance of zombies, like the word zombie uh, in cinema was like in the, was 19th, in the Cranberries lyrics was in, in the 1994. N- <laughs> was in the 1930s okay. with a movie called White Zombie, which was like kind of set in in Haiti, in the, the Caribbean, and it had a bit of... Um, oh, is Caribbean? Is it? I don't fucking know. In Haiti, in that kind of area, wherever the fuck that is. Uh, and <laughs> for, for like between like the 1930s and the 1950s, zombies... You shit on me for being a leftist. Shut yeah, up. You look to me when you need shut to up. be woke. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Um, yeah, no, I'm not shitting on you. I'm thankful that... I'm, I'm thankful we got one of you cucks on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so, uh, zombies were essentially like... Uh, Consistently associated with that, like witch doctory voodoo-y kind of Uh-oh. kind of uh, kind of uh, stereotypical culture, right? From the nineteen thirties all the way through to like the late fifties, early sixties, where like by the time it got to uh, the, the late fifties, early sixties, zombie movies have become a parody of themselves. The living dead, the dead. Who live on living flesh. Where you had like, uh, fuck, not the Marx Brothers, but those like comedy duo type dudes, like the goons and that kind of thing that were popular in the 50s and 60s were already doing like it's dumb... Your field of expertise, brother. Dumb spoofs on... Uh, it's driving me nuts that I can't think of the name of it. But it'd be like classic 50s, 60s comedians, like like the goons kind of thing, were doing spoofs on zombie movies uh, in the same way as like uh, Gene Wilder did, like a Young Frankenstein movie. Right. So it was already becoming a parody of itself by then, and like uh, schlocky horror movies and sci-fi kind of movies were a big thing in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, so Night of the Living Dead came out in 1968, and it was an independent film directed by uh, George Romero. Uh, and That's this was a, a turning point in the horror industry. Not that either of us know much about horror movies, but we've seen some video. Okay, speak for um, This is uh, this was uh, a landmark in zombie movies specifically because a lot of the standard tropes in, in zombie movies come back to this movie and were kind of invented by George Romero and his writers and producers and everything in the process of making this movie. So this is almost like the template for the modern zombie as a character and as a monster. Night of the living dead. A bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. 
Night of the Living Dead. Like this is the movie. This is the movie that established that like. Uh, this is the this was the first movie that showed zombies eating human flesh in a movie. It was the first movie that established that like a shot or a blow to the head kills the zombie. Uh, to destroy the brain. The Pentagon has disclosed that a ghoul can be killed by a shot in the head or a heavy blow to the skull. The plan is kill the brain and you kill the ghoul. Exactly, all that sort of stuff was like. Uh, this movie was the template for that. And so initially I went in uh, because friend of the show, Pat, uh, recommended Previous that guest. it was... Uh, no, no. Just friend of the just show. Just friend of the show. I'm deleting yeah. those episodes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because he recommended it was good. Uh, and I feel like my experience with a lot of like classic horror movies is that... It's often like how it is when someone tells you to listen to like a classic rock like, album. Oh, I see how this would have been good at the time, but it is in fact bad. Right. Not my experience with this movie at all. No, I good. think that this movie was sincerely the best classic horror movie I've ever gone back to see. Like, we watched... I don't know if we did the Mike Myers Halloween movie on the pod, but... Um, uh, I believe we I think we did. did. Episode 96, Spooktacular 4, The Knife is the Penis. That movie did not hold up for me. It wasn't really scary or creepy in the same way. And it was one of the things where I, mean, I watched I it, it was... and said, like, I can see how it was influential. Yeah, I think it was good. But, but this yeah. isn't really doing anything for me. Oscar, quote from episode 96. I think Halloween was fun. It was a good movie. Quote, I think that if you want to watch old classic 70s, 80s slasher films, this is a good one to go in on because it's a good, well-made entertaining movie. Hum. Yet you don't think it holds up? Curious. I am very intelligent. That was that one was about like the suburban fear and shit. So there's uh, when you look for like certain themes or I think okay. So it went, Night of the Living Dead is influential in a whole bunch of different ways, and I think Halloween was similarly right, influential. Right, but like as a as a horror movie that's supposed to be exciting to watch. Yeah, I was not very excited. I think by if, Halloween. if the film was made before 2015, you can just assume it's not scary. I was really excited, and in, in, in two specific himself. scenes. Almost horrified by Night of the Living Dead. I, I can think of one scene that horrified. I had an awesome time with this movie, and I feel like it's this is the movie that out of the horror movie, this is one of the ones where we say, fucking watch this. It's worth watching. Okay, and we should say at this point, we watched it f- for free. Yeah, so this is on. For free. This is on, on YouTube, YouTube in several different iterations. Now Oscar so tried to watch the Amazon Prime version, the legit version. This and is it what, was colorized yeah. and weird. This is one of those movies where there's like 17 different versions of it. And yeah. the one that was available streaming legally in Australia on Amazon Prime was like this weird, fucked up, colorized version that had like blotchy bits of black and white in it and a look fucked. So don't watch that. Fuck that. We'll link in the description of this week's there's a episode. 4K version on YouTube. There's like a 4K up version on YouTube that looks Awesome. Night of the Living and Dead, 1968, 4K AI upscaled. Right, but like, <laughs> this there's like the ten title di- of this. There's film. ten different versions of this on YouTube, and it's it's watching it in black and white. I think is a better way to watch it. I mean, that's it, yeah, that's how they were filming it, right? Like they didn't intend for it to be shown in exactly, color, so. and like also the colorized version had these weird bits where like because they colorized it, it made it look like it was more daytime, but. No, so I love this movie. So it's essentially, it was made in the 60s and it's basically like there's a zombie pandemic and it follows like a couple that get swept up and discover that there's a zombie pandemic just by being like attacked by a random zombie. And then one of them- Brother and sister, right? Brother and sister. Not a couple. 
Unless, sorry, I mean, I meant whatever. like two people, like a couple of guys, like uh, just a couple of folks, couple of folks, turn out to be brother a brother and sister. sister that are fucking like you normally do. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, <laughs> they uh, find out find out that like there's like couple zombies and they flee to like an old farm. So they go to visit their like father's yeah. grave. Yeah, and they get attacked by this old weirdo. Yep. They when the swept. guy's like, imagine if you got attacked by an old weirdo, wouldn't that be funny? And yeah. then an old weirdo attacks. I didn't hate like, that. Apparently, that was a bit of like a, that was very quite camp and quite slow. Yeah. And I read so I watched a video that was saying that that was a bit of a tribute to these old campy old movies yeah. about how schlocky and dumb that scene was. Uh, essentially, uh, the, the the sister survives that initial encounter and runs to this like nearby farmhouse and holds herself up with this stranger that has also run to this farmhouse for protection. And the whole movie essentially takes place in this farmhouse. So they're talking mostly about Barbara and Ben. Right. So I didn't know the names of these people. But Barbara sure. played by Judith O'Dea and Ben played by Dwayne Jones. Right. Interestingly, Dwayne Jones, uh, a black man, was... The Correct. first, it was the first major successful movie to cast an African American person in the lead role of a movie. Yeah, I refuse to believe that this film is apolitical. <laughs> like apolitical, apolitical. Also, so George Romero said that like they interviewed all the people. There were like young student left wing type dudes, and he was just the best guy that to do the audition. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, ha- and then apparently, so there's. This isn't a spoiler, but they cast the movie before the Martin Luther before. King shit went down. Right. And so this became this scene this movie seemed like more of a political statement because that whole uh civil rights movement really kicked into gear yeah. after this movie had been made. Sure. So it seemed like way more of a political statement. George Romero in an interview I watched recently was like, I'd love to say that it was a political statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, he was just the best audition that got given. If you're stupid enough to go die in that trap, that's your business. However, I am not stupid enough to follow you. It is tough for the kid that old man is so stupid. Now, you get the hell down in the cellar. You can be the boss down there. I'm boss up here. Sure. But I think there would have been people during that era that would have, like, literally vetoed a black protagonist. They would have just been like... Nah, fuck that. Yeah, and this Either movie, this movie they kicked didn't up a, want to, or that this movie would yeah, sell. And this movie kicked up a whole bunch of stink at the time. It was critis- critically panned at the time because of how horrific it was, and because of how gory and like full on yeah. it was yeah. in terms of like the horror elements of it. Because it's, it's very gory. They went to like they a butcher an yeah. and a bot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I, th- I, th- I think we've been quite rambly and quite shit with this so far. Sure. Um, I don't know how to get us back on track. Uh, but well, let's start with the the kind of the the story, the setup. So, so they so hold we, up we in this. Follow, f- yeah, we follow Judith Odia. Oh, Judith Odia. It reminds me how my grandma used to say Odia. Uh, ba- Barbara, <laughs> Barbara's character, and she so she flees from the graveyard. She's chased by this dude, and she ends up holding up in this house with Ben. Um, the oh, I'm going to say the other protagonist, and they sort of. Ben, like, Barbara's clearly, like, traumatized and she's starts this, like, to dissociate into, like, yeah. this trance-like state where she can't really do anything. She's just wandering the house, like, doing white woman shit. Yeah. She's, like, <laughs> she's, like, doing astrology. That's the only shit that was annoying me where, like, Ben was like, hey, 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 we have to, we have to board up all the You're windows. Gonna be okay to you reinforce this door? And she's, and she's, and she's like, staring like, through a wall. And the doilies yeah, and stuff, yeah. yeah. Um, classic. White woman shit. Yeah. So she's like... Bitches, man. Can't right. trust them to nail a door away from zombies and, for nobody's business. And so, like, 
Ben reinforces like the entire downstairs house. He's like patching up the windows, like boarding up the windows and doors and shit. And then he's like, I'm going upstairs. I'll be able to hear you. It'll be fine. And then uh, from the basement, these other people. Four who've been other hiding, fucking people. <laughs> yeah, four people like right. who've listened to this fucking struggle. They're like, we're going to let this cunt board up all the windows and doors. And, yeah. then we're gonna go. so, and he's like, didn't you fucking hear me boarding up the windows and doors and shit? Mm. And they're like, well, that could have been anyone boarding yeah, up the yeah. windows <laughs> and doors and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So this movie, I think there's a... Uh, this movie, in the first... I don't know about you, so I'm keen to hear what you think. But in the first 20 to 25 minutes, I was worried that this is going to be a slow old kitschy movie mm. because for the first 20 to 25 minutes where it's just the brother and the sister slowly at the graveyard and then the sister going into the house and then the person like very slowly almost like a play mm. monologuing while he's like uh boarding up windows and doors i thought oh fuck this movie is slow as balls i'm, I'm bored already yeah but as soon as those people come out of the cellar which is it's not a spoiler it's like half an hour into the movie as soon as those people come out of the cellar the movie really kicks into gear and it starts to get like seriously violent, seriously interesting and emotional and really well written. Uh, and it really starts to do the interesting world building stuff where you get to learn more about what's happening across the rest of the country in mm. such a creative and deep and introspective way that I was not expecting out of one of these like bullshit classic black and white movies that looks like it was. This was like a drive in hit. It seems to be a sudden general explosion of mass homicide. Yeah. Yeah, in yeah. like drive-in cinema and when you think of like drive-in horror movies you don't expect shit that's actually you expect it's like B-tier C-tier like a lot of fun like if you like that sort of thing bad latex suits kind of shit yeah, yeah. I sincerely think this was an awesome movie and I think that like I'm glad I stuck through the first 20 to 25 minutes because it really kicks into gear and stays at full throttle after those people come out of the cellar this place is ridiculous look at this there's a million weak spots up here Give me one of those. So I'd say if you go in and watch this, uh, it's worth watching and stick through the first 20 minutes because it really kicks into gear after that. After I mean, that anyone who time. doesn't stick through the first 20 minutes of a film, you can stop listening. No, but you know what I mean? Like, if you truly really do this, <laughs> yeah, like sure. a black and white 4x3 film, it's really slow. It's like and 12 you're told Angry it's on. Men. I think yeah. you can get turned off by 12 Angry Men in the first 10 minutes. Like, well, you're a moron. Well, this I is would, a great fucking movie. I would be turned off by this, honestly, if I didn't. If That's because you're reassured. a moron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I'm an idiot. You're like, a stupid idiot if I wasn't <laughs> who doesn't watch movies that go for more than if 35 minutes. If I wasn't more reassured about, like, people I know that like this like the fact that like the first 20 minutes happened during the day and it's so slow like it'd be a bit of a like a red flag for me because I've seen heaps of old movies like that that yeah. maintain that pace forever this this is great is my point you can't judge movies just based on their age but they do they always show their age and they have tropes to them and I thought like, like there's a few oh, fucking goofy fucking moments as well early on where like um the the brother in the cemetery gets like pushed over by the first zombie and like clearly is meant to like smack his head against it and like very slowly rests his head on it. Yeah, and it's like goofy stunt shit that happens. And yeah, that yeah. happens all throughout the film. But you're right, it really does pick up. It re- it actually reminded me of Twelve Angry Men, I guess, because it's black and white. But it, in the way that it Idiot. felt, well, it takes place a lot in a house, which feels a lot like a theater set. It's a building. And 12 Angry Men was written as a theatre play. And so, like, a lot of it feels very theatrical in the way that these 
characters, especially once the this ones has come actually out of the already been adapted into a play already. I'm sure it could be a play yeah. very easily. Like the ones that come out of the basement. Once that happens, it feels very much like it's just these people interacting and yelling at each other. It's personality, yeah. and that's clashing. the best bit about yeah. these fucking horror movies, man. Is it's not about the monstrous shit happening outside. It's about the people and the monsters. This is like. Fucking first year uni shit, but like it's about the monsters we become That's when right. we're all cooped up together. Yeah, totally. It's, but no, but this movie really fucking nails it, and in such a way where like when the people come out of the cellar. And you're like, that's bullshit. Wouldn't they have heard this shit happening the whole time? The first thing our main characters say is, "You motherfucker! Why didn't you hear me? Wouldn't you have heard us?" Screaming and boarding up the windows and complaining about this house yeah. for the last twenty minutes, and this guy is like s- scrambling and like. Oh, oh, yeah, I and making these bullshit excuses, and like, I wouldn't have expected the movie to go that like not predictable, but like before you can be like, why wouldn't they say this? They say that, and I yeah, just think it's, it's clearly it's, playing on expectations. It's yeah. really well written, and it's really it, it feels like a modern movie, man. Mm. And like, I just I, I don't know I don't know have a concise way of describing why I liked it other than saying I really liked it and I it, it, the fact that it exceeded my expectations is perhaps one of the reasons why I liked it so much. Um yeah, I was... think it's I think it's charming because of its old elements, but yeah. I also think that like so there's there's we got like there's six people like kind of main characters I guess. You got um Ben, Barbara, and then in the basement, there's Helen and Harry Cooper. Who are like an old married couple with a kid. And right. And there's like a young there's Tom couple and Judy of teenagers. Who are the young people with these yeah. kids, right? And I think, so one of the, I think Carl Hardman, who plays Harry Cooper, is kind of in a, he's the first one out of the basement. He's the one that was like, I didn't hear you because. I'm didn't. looking out for my family and That's I'm, right. I'm, st- yeah, yeah, yeah. And they've got a sick daughter in the basement and stuff. So like, I think Harry kind of gets a lot of the, for me, I don't know. Th- it became immediately interesting because not only, like, I think um, Dwayne Jones and J- Judith Adia are giving, like, these great performances as Ben and Barbara, but they don't have anything to play off because mm. Barbara is very passive, Ben's very um, assertive. And so, like, yeah, she's almost just, like Barbara's almost like comatose. Oh, wh- that's what's right. the word for? I don't know what the word is, but like comatose kind of thing where she's just like catatonic. That's it. Yeah. yeah. She's a- just like, she's s- out of it, staring totally straight gone. through walls. She's like having a trauma response. She's just mm. zoned out. And so, like, when Harry Cooper comes out, all of a sudden, like, Ben has someone to fucking clash up against. Yeah. And then uh, it's, it's like, him as this sniveling little coward that his wife fucking hates, where she's yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're a real big man, aren't you? The whole time, like, during the zombie <laughs> the fucking apocalypse. The wife is such a sick fucking so character. Yeah. She's like, uh, yeah, and I guess being right is really important to you yeah, when they're locked yeah. in the basement, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? She's yeah. like, that's the most important thing, isn't it? Being right. That's classic you, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, I think... I felt attacked It really comes that, alive, like, when... Um, when his when his, his character not because he's doing the best thing but because it all of a sudden unlocks all of these relationships between the characters yeah, yeah. and, and I it really picks up from there all the characters were flawed pieces of shit in their own way yeah. like it wasn't like Ben or Barbara or Harry or yeah, any of these people were like fucking punches this woman <laughs> yeah exactly like yeah. she slaps him she slaps him and he punches her straight back just knocks her out crazy knocks her the shit fuck out. Good shit. Um, um, yeah, re- like a really interesting film. And I think you're right. I think the performances in the script carry it through where you would think like, oh, this old film is too... Uh, there's not enough going on for, to keep me interested. It's like, yeah, it's showing its age with some of the visuals and some of the stunts and some mm. of the sets and stuff. But like 12 Angry Men, 
It has a very compelling script, very well-written characters, the and writing's really so great tight. performances to yeah. carry it through. And so, like, you know, they've got to escape from the house. There's, like, they go outside the house for a while. they got to try and fill up this truck with petrol so they make an escape attempt. Mm. It fails. And, like, all of that is interesting as well. So, all of the uh, the characters and the relationships driven forward by the script... Also, there's an interesting underpinning storyline that they kind of need to go mm. through. And then right at the end, it's kind of tying it all together with like what I think must be a metaphorical ending. Like, yeah. So there's even something there if you're doing your like film studies bullshit, I think. Yeah. Well, I can. I, I like. I mean, I suppose we don't have to spoil I don't want to spoil it, but I like the idea that in this movie, like, um,. I like the idea that it doesn't go for a predictable ending. Yeah. And I think that it, considering the time it came out, that's probably not necessarily a very predictable way to go. Yeah, I would say Just not. the idea that, like, I, I didn't expect the way it was going at all. And I feel like the more we dance around it, the more it's going to be obvious. I don't want to do that too much. But, like, yeah. um, I really liked the way it ended up going. And it was so shocking. That yeah, I it feels so it really, unjust. Yeah, yeah. I think... Yeah, exactly. I think... um. Can we spoil it and just skip? We can we add a time code. Skip in there? skip one minute. No, no, we, we can do a time code. We sure. can do a time code before and after spoilers in the description, so it'll be fine. Uh, fuck you, you have to deal with that now. I think um, it'll be one minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, my favorite bit of the movie, my favorite scene, and the scene that I found the most horrific scene to watch, and the scene where I was literally not scared but like horrified, was the scene where the zombie kid is stabbing her mum to death. Right. I almost like not threw up, but I had that kind of like this is sickening feeling in my right. stomach watching that, and I thought that was awesome. Did you have like a scene that really affected you, or like a favorite scene in the um, movie? I think okay, so it's very frustrating, and again, we're like way into spoilers, but yeah, yeah. um, uh, the, the when you Google like either um. Ben or like main character of Night of the Living it's like Dead death. or something. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, it doesn't predict it. But then the description is like, um, the ill-fated. <laughs> or it's like it's description on IMDb. And I was like, well, the fuck now you, dead IMDb. character yeah. from, yeah, right. Was, so it was very frustrating. But seeing, but, but still, regardless of that, and I think it would have been even more impactful, seeing him get shot right at the end and being like, what the fuck? There's no way that you could mistake that guy yeah. for a zombie. Or yeah, like yeah, these yeah. people just these cops, white cops with dogs, funnily yeah. enough, happened in the 1950s. Is fucking happening now. Yeah, just indiscriminately shooting people. So that's 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 the bit I was dancing around before. Yeah, is, of course. So yeah. uh, Ben, the black guy that I mentioned earlier, it's significant only because of the civil. He's rights like the last survivor. He's the last survivor in this house yeah. after this tragedy of the zombies. Live through all this. Shit. He's standing at a window watching these cops arrive, and the cops are like combing the area for any remaining zombies. And they go, "There's one in that window there." And a guy just goes and takes a shot and just shoots Ben straight through the head yeah. and kills him instantly. There's one of them zombies holding a gun like none of them ever have. Right, and then Ben just dies yeah. instantly, and the cops just keep walking on, yeah. and you don't see anymore. And I think the thing that the, the the, the end of the film and it's is, so nonchalant the way he dies a, right and and it's very unexpected if you haven't read a fucking synopsis. if you skipped a man of the head keep skipping sorry yeah I'm gonna put time good in there <laughs> um, but uh, b- but the way that it then ends with like this um, photo snapshoot kind of thing that looks that was like sick. and real you keep going and then it turns material. back into um, yeah, yeah yeah right and then it sort of shows these this like burning at the end um I don't know. I, I found I found that particularly shocking, and all of a sudden it was kind of like um, it felt so subversive oh, and modern. Yeah, it was so cool. Is, yeah, this is. 
obviously making more of a statement than I kind of yeah. thought it was. And uh, it, it did make me uh, not regret, but think about... Um, mm. I, I remember when I first saw Ben and like the more screen time that he kind of occupied at the start of the film, I was yeah. thinking like, it's weird for a film of this time to have a black man character, right? It is weird. And especially to start off with like... I mean, because you start off with like the white woman main character and... You're, you're like, like, now okay, we're talking. <laughs> this is well, my kind of movie. You're like, right. Classic damsel in distress kind of yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just here to see this woman like run and scream. Yeah. And then it kind of... And then she's very passive. And so it's like, ah, joke's on you. She this was annoying black character shit now. out of me. Like, right. Yeah. But like... Yeah, I was surprised, and then I think the more that... I mean, so obviously Romero has come out and said, like, it wasn't meant to be the way that right. it was. Right, so what but, I was dancing yeah. over before is... So at the end of this movie, the black, the final black main character gets shot, and that this movie came out after Martin Luther King was shot. So they must have been this filming it, like... Huge it fucking yeah. thing, obviously. <laughs> but... Um, yep. No, but like, there's a major cultural turning point for the civil course, rights movement yeah. and for the world politics in general. But like, this movie was filmed before that even happened, and so I think so that some, was happening anyway. To some, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so to some degree, they would have been like, "Well, fuck, this wasn't like a political. We would have would have done this way better if we wanted to make a political statement." Right. But, but I think I don't know. I think the fact that they just decided to cast Ben as or like decided to cast Wayne Jones as Ben because he was the best performance. Yeah. Is probably much more of a political statement yeah, than anything else. It's subconsciously reflective of the politics of the people that make made the movie, yeah. and of the t- politics of the time. I read in a something way. else yeah. that, like, the way that his character is portrayed as like a very calm. This is okay. So this is like some one thing I read online. I don't know if it's true or not, but and I'm ignorant on Go it. Go off. I'm it's just fine, gonna say it's interesting. So sorry if this sucks, but um, the fact that he was he's a very like calm and passive and yet confident and assertive person character mm. in the story yeah. was very contrary to how a lot of black characters well, were portrayed no, that, that, on screen at the time he was so he was extremely subversive as well as being yeah. subversive for being a main character i don't think that's i mean i don't think that's off base based I on just the reading don't know much about it based but, on the reading yeah. that i've done he was yeah. one of the first major uh, black actors to be cast in a like a major role in a successful movie. Right. So, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. In terms of depiction in mainstream right? mainstream media, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. This movie, the way it was made is really interesting. So this is just like, so George Romero was like a commercial, like a guy that had done heaps of commercials and lots of shorts. He apparently worked on um, uh, Mr. Rogers doing like uh, little clips that appear. You know how like tel- Teletubbies have the movies that play on the things? He was in those kind of clips for Mr. Rogers. Right, um, right. Uh, and this is this his first major movie, and they got like ten mates together to put together six hundred dollars each back in nine sixty eight. I don't know how much that ends up working out to, but they had like about six, a million dollars, six <laughs> six grand altogether from ten people, and they made this production company called like the Ten or whatever. Uh, and they ended up getting a whole bunch. So they ended up having like ten people, twenty people that ended up putting money together to make this movie, and it felt like it was a real community vibe based yeah, on the interviews cool. I was watching, where like uh, the guy that plays Harry. Cooper in the movie also did the sound and the makeup and he put some put some of his own money into the movie and yeah. he's one of the main actors and like this was like a real skeleton crew uh, and they were really scrappy in the way they did things apparently the house that they filmed in was a real house that was about to be demolished Classic. anyway and is now like a turf farm <laughs> so uh, they um, 
went out and kept kept hustling until they found this house. And so they were lucky enough to find this house where it like didn't matter what they were going to do to it. So they could like plaster boards up all over the place and smash windows and things. So like it was a really they did it like a super low budget and apparently one of the reasons why they did a horror movie is because it was really popular at the time with drive-ins specifically, which was like a big popular way that you could get like B movies and C C tier kind of dodgy movies sure. off the ground. Um and it was a genre they could film really cheaply. Okay. And this was a thing where like, they deliberately tried to be very subversive and very unusual and very gritty and edgy in the way they made the movie. Like, this was the first movie that showed, I mentioned earlier, it showed zombies eating human flesh mm. on screen because they wanted to like really break ground to stand out from the pack so they could sell this movie. Because it was their own money they were putting into the project. Like we got to get a return on investment, right? And so they said, like, if they said, like, if they couldn't, if they couldn't get a production deal with a movie studio, if they couldn't sell this to movie studio, they were fully prepared to like make prints and drive it around to drive-ins, right? (laughs) Drive-in by drive-in, week by week, until everyone had seen it like so it's really fascinating that it was like a labor of love there's all these anecdotes they showed in like a 25th anniversary interview thing with like a round table of like four or five of them talking that was really heartwarming to hear all these little stories about and they said like for example um there's a scene in the movie where um this is still a spoiler, so sorry. But um, there's like a truck. <laughs> that, there's a truck that like blows up in the movie, and they said they were just lucky to find two identical trucks. One was working, and one was not working. So they, and they could were blow identical one up. in the same little town where the house was. Right. So they could blow one up. Yeah. Um, and they said that like on the night that they blew it up, they were filming nights mostly. On the night they blew it up, the whole town came out to like watch them blow the truck up at like one o'clock in the morning. And there was this cute little like community atmosphere, and they were like. Everyone was doing everything. Like they talked about, like, oh, this is all practical effects with makeup and stuff. There's a scene where a dude's lobbing Molotov cocktails out a window, and the way they did that was actually gave the guy Molotov cocktails. Which and you can see him throwing them like pretty gingerly. Filmed him throwing. <laughs> there's apparently a rock on the ground that you can't really see, but they were like, "Can you throw the Molotov cocktails onto that rock so they'll explode nicely?" But right. there's a there's a, there's a shot of him from the grass throwing Molotov cocktails out of a like window. The main actor. And he just actually had to do that. Yeah. yeah. Which is there's a there's a scene where a zombie gets set on fire, and in this interview, they said like they didn't have enough money for an asbestos suit, <laughs> uh, like a fireproof you know, suit. The things that protect you. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have enough money for a fire proof suit so they just got the guy the guy was so nonchalant like one of the main producers of the movie uh he said he put on a tight fitting denim with a loose brown suit over that and they doused the brown suit in gasoline and then he just actually got set on fire for that take three times three takes he actually set himself they actually set him on fire yeah and they were like oh just Run over, <laughs> just run over that hill until the camera can't see you anymore, and then we'll—I don't know—we'll put you out probably. <laughs> yeah, like, and then you stop, drop, and roll, and yeah. yeah. No, this movie's fucking sick. This movie like doesn't pull it's any punches. It's—it's it's very practical. It's gory. It's gritty. It's horrific. The human nature element of the movie, where you watch these people being horrifically selfish. Uh, within the bounds of the little room they're being locked in is so interesting to watch and I'm really glad I watched it. I think this is one of those classic black and white movies that is definitely worth your time. Yeah, I think also not just for the um, 
uh, like violent or like shocking aspects, but it's also like very, as you said earlier, it's very well written. Yeah, I think particularly like a humanistic like kind of perspective. Yeah, yeah. I think two of the like. Um, so Barbara is like non-present for a lot of it, but Ben has some really good lines in it. Um, and yeah, uh, also Harry, like the two of them just going back and forth, and uh, like Helen Cooper as well, just being like this sardonic housewife. Mm. Is and I, I, I love very funny. the conflicts that Col- I don't want to spoil it anymore because I don't want to make your editing life a, a nightmare. But like the co- the way that the conflict between Harry and Ben culminates is such a human way of responding to the situation, yeah, yeah. not a Hollywood way of responding at all. I thought that was so nice and so like yeah, I don't see that in movies. Like the way that like they just have such a human fucking argument and such a human clash yeah there is so great it also sort of stems from like harry's like we should be in the basement and ben's like mm. the basement is stupid it's a death trap let's yeah. stay in the ground floor yeah and that's all that they're arguing and it shows about. that he- ben is a flawed character as well because yeah. you watch it and you're like what the fuck did he do that yeah he, you think there's no like one singular hero and the way that the movie resolves in the end is like a yeah these aren't your heroes these are just humans that found themselves in a shit situation and this is just what happened yeah like it makes it feel more real and the way the camera's all like it feels like it's very handheld with these very long shots and just it really gets you involved in the situation in a way that I just I, I had not expected that an old black and white movie would be able to get me that involved I've seen yeah, a couple schlocky years old now, right? Yeah. right I look more than that yeah I've seen a couple like schlocky old movies like The Day the Earth Stood Still and shit where like Mm. they're quite hammy in a way where you have to watch them knowing you're watching this cheese ball bullshit this is not cheese ball bullshit if you get past the first 20 minutes this is a fucking banger of a movie yeah I will say like if you've seen if you based on our recommendation and sorry about trigger warning Roman Polanski but if you watch mm. Chinatown based on our recommendation I think Chinatown was made six years after this yeah and like Chinatown feels modern like literally right. modern in the way that like how I was saying this film shows its age Chinatown barely shows its age but Chinatown had a budget of at the time six million dollars this had a budget in 1968 of like a hundred thousand hundred thousand right so I think it's really interesting also showing how much they got done and how close they they managed to come to something that feels like like, Chinatown you see you see like zombies with rotten faces and stuff in this this isn't just like dudes in green makeup this is like you see like yeah full on cosmetic stuff with like rotten faces and there's a dude with like an arm that's half popped off that you see walking along and like this this it's it's a it's a proper zombie movie. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, it punches well above its weight. Absolutely. Yeah, and also, cool. interestingly, it was inspired by the book "I Am Legend." Right. Wow, that's crazy because that came out much much later, right? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the I didn't realize the movie, the, the Will, Smith, Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize the Will Smith movie was based on a book. But yeah, apparently well, the book, twenty twelve, the book up. came out. Uh, it's pretty probably really close. The book came out in like nineteen the, the late nineteen fifties, and um. Yeah, whatever. That's all I've got to say about this movie. But I just think it was it was a fucking ripper of a movie and mm. I'm glad I watched it and mm. I was full on expecting to just be fucking like whelmed by it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm really happy that I sincerely enjoyed it and can properly recommend it. And it's available for free on YouTube right now. Not legally, but you know, jump on it while you can. Well, yeah, you know. The four K like AI upscaled upres version we watched pretty well. looked so fucking sick. Yeah. It was awesome and definitely worth watching.
right, time to move on to our next movie in this Halloween spooktacular number five yearly edition. Here we go. Time to move on to the next movie. Uh, the next movie we did, bro, is Pumpkinhead. That's right. Uh, Pumpkinhead is a 1985 horror movie starring... 88, but sure. What? What did I say? 85. I was looking at eighty-eight. Sorry, they look sort of similar. You like you kind of join up one side of the five, and it looks yeah, like and an it eight. looks. I think that's probably what I did. Yeah, yeah. that's um, all right. So uh, this is like uh, the, the first thing the Wikipedia article says is that it's star that, that it's it's from from the fucked up minds that brought you the man Stan Winston, who uh, did all the <laughs> from the fucked up minds that brought you effects artist Stan yeah, Winston. Right. <laughs> so like. Uh, this guy worked on this. I've never heard of this guy, but he's done like so. This is this is like a, an '80s film where it's it's pre digital effects, where they've done all that creature makeup, creature rubber suit type shit that yeah. they do with uh, Alien and all those other movies. So this dude worked on Terminator, Jurassic Park, Aliens, Predator, uh. Edward Scissorhands. Iron Man, Edward Scissorhands. He's won Oscars and shit. So, like, this guy knows his rubber suits. That's right. Right. He knows, so, he knows his way around latex. <laughs> <laughs> so, this is that. I, I, how the fuck did you hear about this movie? Why did we watch this movie? So, uh, um, I saw a thread on Reddit. A of, Reddit. Uh, yeah, like a Halloween thread. I'm not on Reddit very much. Please don't judge me. But... Um, it was like a thread of different horror movie stills. And I saw, uh, I was just scrolling through a bunch of them. A bunch of them were like behind the scenes stuff. And I saw one that had this um, insane uh, latex suit, like monster design. You watched it and you were like, and ah! I, what's that? <laughs> that's right. And I was like, what the fuck? Where is that from? And it was, uh, it looked like something out of like H.R. Geiger's brain. You know what I mean? Like it looked like a insane. The inventor of the Geiger counter. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, no. I, and he I wasn't, counted I wasn't fucking joking. aliens. I was steady of fact. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. was what the original guy counter was invented for. It was to count aliens. That's right. That's the little beep, beep, beep machine that they take around the, with. The little beep is like the beep that tells you there's still an it's alien. It's the number of aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Uh, and it's like one, one. Alien. One. So it's like <laughs> when you read it. And then in the sequel, it's like ten. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you read it when you read a scale and it says like one and then in brackets it's like times ten joules or whatever. Yeah, and that's so, right. Yeah, so it's yeah. on the scale it says like the yeah, number and in thousands. brackets it says like yeah. <laughs> ten every every one is ten aliens. That would be funny if like on the motion detector they'd set the scale to be like thousand aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're just like, it's just the one still, Boop. it's fine. Oh fuck. We're fine. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> um so, imagine, yeah, I, imagine I if a Geiger counter counted aliens imagine that. instead of what it does count, which is Geigers, <laughs> um, which is the number of HR Geigers on the planet. Um, so yeah, basically, I don't know. This just seemed like a great, like schlocky, stupid fucking film. Um, and yeah, it was. I think it was like it's not bad. Yeah, but I thought it would be funny and fun to take you, the listeners, through Pumpkinhead. All right, well, stay tuned. Stay tuned. We don't we, we don't have that prepared this week, so stay tuned next week <laughs> for when we go through Pumpkinhead blow by blow. I mean, this literally might be a two-parter, but uh, <laughs> but we'll see. So, all right, Pumpkinhead. Piss poor yes ending. Here it comes. Pumpkinhead's happening right now. Jokes on you, Zoinks. 
So the tablecloth, thing... feel that tablecloth you're, you, you're sitting your pretty hiney on? You're sitting it's on it. It's whipped out right from under you. Straight up. Skid marks all over Raising it. Raising Because we have, <laughs> we have that bye bye blow summary of pumpkin head for you right the fuck it's now. Just, it's a schlocky... Fucking what? Wow! What the fuck was that? That was our massive fucking summary of Pumpkinhead whizzing right on by you. You feel them rumbles in your tumbles? That's right. Our our summary of Pumpkinhead is so big, so massive, so enormously Outro weighty. Plan already. <laughs> All right, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. What happens to Pumpkin Oscar Head? is already no-budding my suggestion <laughs> to go through this movie blow by blow, but I fuck think yeah. it will be good. So, the first thing that we get in the credits, which I noticed, was an introducing. Also, I've looked it up. H.R. Geiger did not invent the Geiger counter. No, of course he fucking didn't. I thought idiot. maybe... He was an artist. All right, fine. What, are you stupid? Well, Albert Einstein played the fucking Geiger violin. Geiger is an uncommon name in fucking Germany or Austria or whatever they're from? No, no do you? All right. So anyway, we get an introducing credit, but I didn't write down who it was for, and I thought it was just interesting that it was like an introducing X as Y. Um, cool. But there we go. Well, you know how sometimes they do the fun credits where it's like introducing or like and, yeah, and you're starring. Right. That would have been like interesting. A, yeah, I agree. Okay. If we, if we, yeah. Yep. Yep. Don't remember who it was for. Idiot. Afraid raising the dead ain't within my power. Be alright. Should I be afraid? It's coming! <laughs> Looking for an old woman. She lives somewhere in the mountains hereabouts. All she can do is take you straight to hell. You go home and you bury your boy. Some folks will say is how she's got powers. Who are you? Get Harley. What do you want, Ed Harley? Say it. You're looking for vengeance. Vengeance. Say it. There's no graveyard way back deep in them woods. The thing you're looking for is in there. It was an accident. What I did notice was that there were single credits the whole way through, but then we get five names for the creature effects designed and created by, because that's really all this movie is about. This yeah. movie's about Pumpkinhead. <laughs> so, so this movie, for a start, we're probably going to spoil the fuck out of this movie. Yeah, Don't worry about it. This movie, if you want to see it, the fact that we're going to spoil it is not a deal breaker. Yeah, we watched it on... Uh a streaming site where I streamed the movie in, yeah. in 480p. That someone pays to keep online, not That's us. Right, assumedly. Someone pays the hosting fees for that, the streaming service. Uh, my point is, it's probably going to be out of your way to watch this. Don't worry about it. But It's um, good. It's not that good. I will say, you know what I mean? the pumpkin head, the titular pumpkin head, does not have a pumpkin as a head. Yeah, it's got a thing that could be a pumpkin. Maybe it's like 
not like a jack-o'-lantern pumpkin, but you know how like sometimes you get like a butternut pumpkin or something and it's shaped all weird. It looks like if it's if its face was on the top of a butternut pumpkin and the <laughs> butternut pumpkin was sort of like tipped upside down. So it's got like a bigger top of its head than bottom of its head. You know what I mean? It looks like an alien. So anyway, okay. This fucking Stan Winston motherfucker's a hack. He's just an alien and he's been rested on those laurels. He's like, I mean, Duh. I feel like this film is heavily inspired by. Take the alien and then whack a butt of the pumpkin, turn it upside down. Who's got a sharpie? There we go. There's our monster. Okay, so also in the credits we get a uh, inspired by a poem by Ed Justin, and I googled Ed Justin, and he's got a writing credit for the poem on this film, oh, and I good. couldn't find. Anything else. <laughs> so, so this is apparently inspired by a poem by Ed Justin. Brilliant. Okay, so we begin the film in the year 1957. The first thing we see is a shotgun being loaded, right? Which I think sets a good precedent. Yeah. Um, we get a couple of nice cheesy jump scares, but basically what's happening is there's some guy, there's a farm family, some hick family. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? Why does this start in the family. 50s? This is weird. It's just establishing tone, okay? <laughs> so, like, there's a runaway guy on this farm. He runs up to this uh, front door and he's bashing on it. He's like, let me in, let me in. And the father of this family is like, no. It's like, it's nothing to do with us. There's nothing we can do. We got to let him go. And the wife's like, should we help him? He's like, no. The one thing we shouldn't do is help him. That, that's, that's, that's quite a similar time with you those two movies. They both feature cowardly old white man right. hiding indoors. That's right. Um, <laughs> so I, I like the setup of like this normal family where you see this person who's like blood stricken and they're like, help me. And the family's like, absolutely not. We're not helping you. Yeah. So then we cut to present day and we're immediately introduced Andrew's to... a big fan of not helping people that need help. That's right. I'm a big fan of uh, cutting to present day. Yeah. So then we're we're immediately introduced to Lance Henriksen, who plays Ed Harley, not Ed Hardy. Brilliant. <laughs> Ed Harley. Lawsuit avoided. That's right. Uh, I was thinking about which one came out first, but I don't know what Ed what, Hardy is actually. The hat or the man? Yeah, but I don't know when Ed Hardy is from. So there's so Lance Henriksen. Uh, is like this farm dude and he is the son, I think, of the family that we saw from 1957. So he watches his father, or he we, we're kind of in a flashback of his where he's watching his father refuse to help this man bashing on the door and, and begging for help. And then we see the like Ed Harley as a kid watched <laughs> watch this guy be brutally murdered by this thing he doesn't really understand. And so then we cut to modern day Lance Henriksen, Ed Harley, with a flamethrower, which is one of the biggest guns in Chekhov's arsenal. <laughs> and um, he's like old man shredded, by the way. This dude yeah. is fucking ripped. Second only to Chekhov's missile silence. I feel like um I feel like you know how like you sometimes you see um like old man no, and you're like, this guy is fucking shredded. Yeah. I th- I think I initially thought that was this case, but I think this guy just looks bad for like 32. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like all skin and bone. I think Lance Henriksen's not doing and all too his well. Chin, all his skin <laughs> is like chicken skin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so then we kind of cut from... So uh, he, his, he, he owns uh, a, a truck stop grocery store kind of thing mm-hmm. with his young boy, Billy. I think it is. You can't just make up names. It's not fair. I think it's Billy. So he's okay. like, he just wants to, you know, live out his life, being a farmer, 
Saw some horrific shit as a kid. We're not worried about it, though. Whatever. So then we're introduced to these teenagers, this group of teens, who are driving up on some summer style camping trip like schoolies style camping trip thing and i'm immediately endeared to these because of these the following exchange from joel one of them he says as he's driving honey get me a beer (laughs) (laughs) she says why do you always have to carry that stupid rifle with you (laughs) and he does his best alone impression going because you never know what you're going to find in the jungle (laughs) yo (laughs) Great bit. I immediately like this man. Spoiler alert. This guy's a bad character. <laughs> yeah. Um, Despite I, the fact that he does something pretty cool, drinking and driving. That's right. So then he they pull up to this truck stop thing and uh, dr- drink driver Joel. Well, we'll have to just say this podcast, we all know, just for just for transparency's sake, we all know this podcast has been sponsored by drink driving We're in the past. We're pro drink driving. That's so right. we are pro drink driving. We've That's taken right. money from big drink driving in the past. That's right. Big drink driver. But we'd like to think that just like objectively speaking, it's pretty obvious that drink driving is It's good. It's and, good. And, and this movie illustrates that in about eight minutes' time. Yeah. So the drink driver then bullies the dumb fucking kid, Billy, at the truck stop that they pull up to for having Coke bottle glasses. And then the other fucking teenage four eyes, specky little twerp. Right, fucking stupid. You look Imagine. stupid. You look dumb. Imagine wearing and then glasses. And his friends are like, um, what are you doing? Don't be mean. And he's like, yo, whatever. And then he rides off into the <laughs> sunset with his dirt bike. This literally happens. He like... He, they they interrupt him, teasing the, sun the child. Is setting, there's a bike. <laughs> yeah, and and he's like, whatever, fuck you guys. I'm gonna go and ride my bike. Yeah. And so, uh, what am I, a babysitter? This character is sick, and obviously the point of empathy for the story. So mm. like, then at this truck stop, this other hick, modern hick family pulls up that are the Wallaces, who look like the they're just normal Andrews in the red hick. I'll just say <laughs> they look they're just like normal the working class people, and Andrew has labelled them as hicks. I had to look because he's a classist piece of shit. Do you shit. remember the um, plasticine show about cavemen, the Gogs? <laughs> do you remember that? I'll put in a soundbite. It's gonna fuck you up. All right, here we go. Here's the here, here's, here's that clip from bite. the Gogs. But like, th- Remember it that? was like an incredibly distressing show where the baby would always be shitting itself, and like the family—it's w- just a disgusting fucking show. The I baby shitting itself has switch, like I think it's Welsh, which explains a lot to me. Anyway, so it was like, Andrew hates the Welsh. Their overalls have fallen off them, and they're all dirty. And yeah, also this fucking movie—I can't tell whether it's set in like the eighties or whether it's set in the I fucking fifties. What think the it's fuck? Meant to be set. It's just like children of the corn shit. Yeah, where like yeah. all the people that live in the countryside, are like fresh out of they're the like 1940s. not Amish, but they're like really poor. All the people that live it, yeah, all the yeah. people in the country in this movie are like fresh out of like Wizard of Oz era. Yeah, they're, they're like I bathe in a pulp. Oh, yeah, you? and then yeah. like the city kids rock up in like Lamborghinis <laughs> with leather <laughs> jackets and mobile yeah. phones and shit. Yeah, it's like Terminator meets Children of the Corn. Right, fucking awesome. And so like Billy's playing fetch with his dog, and then one of the kids steals the ball, I think, and they're like, and he's like playing keepsies offsies with this young kid Billy. Yeah. And then all of that guy's siblings, who are, they're all from the poor Wallace family, yeah, they start skipping around him and being weird like, that you um, keep bringing up their poor, but that's yeah. fine. They keep, they keep skipping around him and they start chanting like, pumpkin head's going to get you, pumpkin head's going to get you. And so it's like this urban legend that pumpkin head comes and kills bad people. And if you do bad shit, you're going to get pumpkin headed. Yeah. 
And then uh, <laughs> the Wallace family leaves, and um, Lance's and the Wallace dad's like, "Hey, do you remember my fucking uh, my my chicken feed?" And Lance <laughs> Lance's character's like, "Oh fuck, I forgot the one thing I have to remember today." <laughs> and then he's like, "Billy, you're four years old. I'm leaving you in charge of my shop. Everything will be fine." I didn't and realize he, why he left. Yeah, and he drives off to go and get Mr. Wallace's chicken feed. And so Billy's like, so I was going right. to say, intermittently in this Wikipedia cast list, uh, most characters just have a first name. Yep. Some characters have a first and a last name. Sure. But there's one character who is just credited as Mr. Wallace. That's right, Mr. Wallace. That's the. Acted by Buck Flower. That's right. Yep. Oh, I forgot. The eldest sibling of the poor children who's like dancing around is called Bunt. By the way, that'll come up later. <laughs> so, yes, Buck Buck Wilder was it? Buck Flower. Sorry, George George Flower. Are you right? George Flower. Buck Flower. Nickname Buck. Mr. Wallace. His name is George. George Flower. Buck. Fl- Whoa, That's his right. name is George Flower. <laughs> I owe you an apology. Nickname Buck. How's this? Plays do you Mr. reckon? Wallace. Do you reckon George Flower wrote his Wikipedia page? I'll read it to you. George Buck Flower was an American actor, writer, producer. Assistant director, okay. production manager, yep. casting director. Yep. He was sometimes credited as Ernest Wall, Buck Flower, George Buck Flower, George Flower, Buck Flowers, C.D. LaFleur, C.D. LaFleur, C.D. LaFleur, and C.D. LaFleur. What the... Fuck. He probably got his wife to write it for him. Isn't that sick? <laughs> That's crazy. Um, because of his gruff appearance, he was often cast as a drunk or a homeless character. <laughs> Director John Carpenter gave Flower a cameo role in several films he made throughout the 1980s. So I was going to say that, actually. I feel like this film has had, uh, unbeknownst That's to so me, influence on quite a few other films. Um, I think the thing was made earlier than this, but this motherfucker was in like fifty movies. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I'm listening. That's all right. I think the thing was made earlier than this, but a lot of this film actually looks quite good. It's like very stylized. There's a lot of like very stark lighting. It looks very cool. I think it's a lot of like it either looks like hell, like it's blazing orange, or it looks like the thing in the Arctic where it was like all blue lit. Oscar is not listening to me. He is waiting to say something. This guy Go was ahead. in seven movies in 1990. Okay. That's very impressive considering he was nearly dead by then. Seven. Yeah. And 19, in 1978. Yeah, he had a total of eight minutes of screen time in 1990. He was in five movies in 1978. He was in f- three movies Close in 1979. this man's Wikipedia article. We're not talking it's, anymore. It's, it's my favorite Wikipedia. George Flower, Buck Talk is over, okay? <laughs> you, you've got to create your own Buck segment if you want to talk about Buck Flower. <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you're talking about. Okay. I'm talking about my boy George. So back to Pumpkinhead. So Lance, uh, Ed Ed Harley is like, all right, Billy, it's time for you to learn how the world works. We're within the first 15 minutes. You mind the story? Yeah, that's because you've been talking about fucking Buck Wilder <laughs> for a fucking long time. All right. So he's like, time for you to learn how the world works. 
I'm sure it'll be fine. And then this kid immediately tries to play fetch with the dog and gets murked by someone on a motorcycle. <laughs> so one of the teens runs in the fuck over. Right. And then the dad finds out and the dad is on like a revenge fucking yeah, trip. Yeah, right. So Lance to- gets back. So he finds out what happens. But Joel's fucked off because he's like, I can't go back to jail. <laughs> right. So right. So the teenagers... He's literally like, I've already got so, a drunk driving charge So the teenagers... Me. Right. So the teenagers panic and they yeah. drive off. Joel... Like and this fucking keys. like yeah. one of them stays with the boy. The jock cunt on that rides up on the motorcycle yeah. is like the guy I can't, who's like pass me a beer, honey. Or I can't <laughs> go to jail, toots, because I've been drinking. Don't fry me. I'm on. <laughs> I'm on parole. Yeah. I can't go to jail, so we're fucking gonna hole up in this cabin because we killed that kid. Yeah, and then anyone that tries, he like rips the phone line out of the wall. Anyone that tries to fucking get past him, he like just beats the fuck out of him. He is not interested in going back to prison. Meanwhile, uh, so Lance, the kid's dad, yeah, goes, goes to like some voodoo fucking witch. Uh, this lady. old hag's cabin. Yeah, her name by the way is Haggis. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you caught that or not, but really? her name is Haggis. That's funny. <laughs> so, and um, yeah, so he's like, uh, he goes to, he takes his dead boy to the Wallace family. And he's like, um, we're going to find this old lady that lives in the woods. And they're like, I don't know what you, uh, uh, sorry about your boy, but uh, f- now fuck off. You hear? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but he like bribes the youngest one, Bunt. He's like, show me where this old lady lives. And Bunt's like, I'm only going halfway. He's like, all right, fine. So he takes his dead boy to this old lady's cabin. Um, and she's like a perfectly normal old woman. She's like, I, I can't bring him back to life. She's It's like an insane performance from this woman. She's <laughs> like, I can't bring him back to life. She looks like she's about 140. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. He's like... Uh, and also, like, it's really dramatic. The lighting... For- so. The movie Mandy, starring Nicolas Cage. That's right. I think this. I very, think this film was. I think this film influenced Mandy. Is very dramatically lit in terms of like very stark. Like there will be whole Sometimes scenes. One color. There'll be whole scenes where it's all red or yeah. all blue, or just red and blue. Uh, wow. But yeah, right. Two Some colors. Some would say purple. <laughs> Not you but, though. But this movie has lots of lots of like really creative lighting yeah, that I would have thought is like oh it's weird and symptomatic I think the of the whole time thing has this really charming I'm clearly shot on a studio lot kind of feeling yeah it. it's but almost like, like Tim Burton but the bit at the start where they're playing around outside the general store on the motorcycle totally where it's just normal <laughs> color film and yep. it looks normal it's like means that like yeah. means that like the horror movie bits that are in this weird red and blue tone you're like oh these cunts do know how to shoot a movie this to look really normal. Cool. Yeah. They're just choosing to make it look weird. Whereas yeah. like if if it just looked weird and red and blue the whole time, I'd be like, Oh, it's an old movie. They probably didn't know how to make movies look normal. Uh, the bits where the kid gets hit by the motorcycle look totally fucking it. it looks like yeah. holes or something. Like yeah, really yeah, normal. Yeah. Like yeah. Um I was I was shot in a rural normal movie, America. like the Shia LaBeouf two thousand and six movie holes. It's also in a desert. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keep talking. Um, so we're up to the witch doctor lady. Yeah, bit. so she's like, I can't bring him back to life. Fuck off. And he's <laughs> like, um, fine, I guess I'll just take revenge in exchange for my mortal soul. And she's like, that I can do. Um, and so she's like, leave your son, take that shovel and go and dig up something in the pumpkin graveyard. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, it's all right, you'll find it. 
just go. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Keep walking. If you pass the pumpkins, you've gone too far. That's right. If you pass the pumpkins and there's <laughs> lots of tombstones, you've fucked up. <laughs> so he gets to this graveyard and it's exactly what you're talking about where it's this really uh, stark look to the whole thing. It's like completely fog flooded, only blue you're light. Right. I was talking about that. And then there's this big, like right in the middle of it, there's this big platform and he's like, all right, I guess I got to dig there. Right. <laughs> right. And right. So like this, this, this like an elevated this little... It's like three or four meters taller than yeah. everything else. Like he would have had to climb Not a hill. That. It's like a cylinder of dirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he's that like, he has had to like... I wonder if that's it. Fucking double jump up yeah. onto. <laughs> so like he digs this, he digs at the top of it thinking like, this has got to be it. He's not, he's not, nope. he's, he doesn't have a shovel. He's just standing on there like, yeah. I fucking vibe with this. I'm digging this. That's right. And it's like that's press fine. A above him. And he's like, uh, yeah, I guess I better dig here. And it looks like... It's like just a normal old corpse, I thought, at this point. I thought he was like, I thought he screwed up and he did something wrong. And so it was just like a normal, yeah. Then he brings this like corpse thing back to Haggis's shack. And he's like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? She's like, Haggis. He, Her name's not Haggis. It is Haggis. It is. It is. Florence Schoffler plays the character of Haggis. I'm sorry to tell you. He's, he's like, what the fuck is this? And she's like, uh, give me a hand. And so she lets some of his blood into this bowl. She's like, it's a Scottish delicacy. It's That's like, right. Mm. She's like, it's actually pretty good. You just got to try it. <laughs> and he's like, I don't eat meat. And she's like, okay, that's pretty weird. What are you some kind of fucking hipster twink? So she takes, so she cuts, cuts his hand and takes some of his blood. Then she cuts his dead boy's hand and takes some of the dead boy's blood as well. And she mixes up this little concoction. She mm-hmm. pours it into the mouth of this thing that it's quite Ed good. Have you, have you tried dead boy blood? It's quite good. I haven't. Is that like that sounds like an IPA. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, fine. Any IPA another dead blood boy orange. blood. Fine, yeah. I'll have yeah. a pint of dead yeah, boy blood. I, I get, get it. Uh, Fuck. Do you guys do middies? No, it's just schooners <laughs> and pints. All right, cool. Can I just get a schooner of the dead boy blood? <laughs> um, and so like she, it's actually a cool production design moment. She like pours the mix into this like hessian sack covered skull thing of this thing Lance's dug up, and it fizzes like acid. It gives off these like really clear like acid clouds. Pretty cool. Anyway, so she pours it in the mouth. Lance collapses and the corpse that he's dug up starts to like kind of crack to life and start breathing. You can see its chest rising and falling. And it transforms into this at first it's this ET looking weird mid stage yeah. thing. Which I was like, this is This guy gonna phone home, my V. But then it grows up like really tall and it becomes the eponymous Pumpkinhead, the mm-hmm. monster of our film. And so he Wakes up. And so it, it like disappears or some shit. And he wakes up and she's like, what are you still doing in my house? Sorry. <clears throat> what are you still doing in my house? <laughs> oh, it's like she's in the room with me. Yeah. She's like, actually, you can go now. I've done it. It begins. And he's mm-hmm. like, right. So he drives home and in the passenger seat of his car where he had his dead son's body, he sees Which him like- Which is pretty cool. It's very cool. He sees him sit up beside him and he's like, daddy, what did you do? And then and he's like, yeah, he's like, <gasps> and it's just a vision. And he looks back, and it's still his dead kid. Lol, your kid's still dead. Yeah, LMAO is still dead, pranked. Ashton Kutcher pops up. So then, <laughs> and he, he he buries his son in the yard in his yard next to his wife, um, saying like, "They killed our boy, honey, and now they're gonna pay." And so we cut back to the teenagers, right? So two mm-hmm. of the teenagers, Steve and Maggie, are going for a walk outside the cabin to, I guess, cool their heads after Joel has been like losing his shit, saying, I'm not going back to jail. 
And um, Steve's like, Maggie, I'm sure that boy that was hit by the motorcycle is going to be just fine. I'm sure it's going to be fine. And then Steve immediately like is pulled up into a tree by this alien limb and just shredded to death. <laughs> also, we already know that the kid is dead, so they're like delusional. Yeah. So then, yeah. So that's the other thing is that the, these college college students feel very fucking guilty about the fact that this kid is in they their did book a like actual hit and run quite ill. They don't know he's dead, so yeah. they're like, we have to get back the I whole feel time. Like they know he's Meanwhile, dead. the kid's been dead the whole time, yeah. and the father is like plotting their demise. I feel like they know he's dead, but they're in denial about it. But yeah. you do have to do a little bit of legwork to kind of like put yourself in their shoes. So yeah. So Maggie runs back to the cabin. Joel is sitting there. He's like, oh, man, I suck. I'm, I'm a fuck up. I'm the worst. I killed a kid. Uh, but he's like, but that stops today. I'm going to be better from now on. And um, and then she's like, ah, Joel died. He got like pulled up into a tree or whatever. And then so the two two of the guys, two of the five, or I guess the four now, go run outside looking for Steve. We've, all, in, in we've cabin, all been there. We've all run outside, we've all run looking, outside for looking for Steve. In the cabin, Maggie, who <laughs> saw Steve get like pulled up into a tree, is like, Steve was got a, pulled I up into a tree. Devil. God's the only thing that can stop him. And then one of the other girls, Tracy, like picks up this knife and she's like, God, if God was real, up. then why was the Hobbit split into three parts, huh? That's right. Why couldn't they have just gotten the whole thing down in two parts? If yeah, you think if about God it. If God real, then why Peter Jackson? The book, huh? the book, The Hobbit, was actually quite a lot shorter than the, the all three books. And Peter Jackson, yeah, it's fine. I feel like they all understand where I'm going. Yeah, you didn't like The Hobbit. That's all yeah. right. That's fine. So Maggie then runs outside and in front of everyone gets like the same deal as Steve earlier, just like pulled up by this yeah. phantom limb in front of everybody. Like, she gets like predated. She gets like corpse swapped because yeah. it drops the body of Steve and picks her up by the head. All these like teenagers like, are completely personalityless so as well. Yeah. Like You don't really get to know any of them. They're, they're just like fodder for this fucking... Ghoul thing to creature kill. thing. Kill, yeah, exactly. So then, this like thing with the head of a pumpkin, if <laughs> in lieu of a better word, the head of a pumpkin. Mm. So then we see. Oh, it's like a butt on a pumpkin, but upside down with a face. That's on the right. Front. It is. I agree. So we see pumpkin head. <laughs> I, I don't know if this was like an inglorious bastards uh, thing that it inspired, but we see it kind of like carving a cross in Maggie's head. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's like it like tortures its victims once it kills them, right? That's pretty cool. So we get like this wild lit scene where it's like flashing lightning and it all looks all hellish and it like carves a cross into Maggie's head. And while all this is happening, back with Ed, he's having this attack whenever the teens get harmed. So he's kind of like possessed by this a panic attack. That's right. And so he drives back to Haggis the witch's house, which, of course, hilarious. Oh, panic attacks. And he's like, um, I see what I've done now is wrong. you got to stop it. I don't know why he's turning into John Travolta. Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah, I was going to make fun of you for the John Travolta thing earlier. <laughs> yeah, I, see, I see what I've done wrong uh. now. Uh. Um, and she's like, yeah, well, you reap what you sow, you fucking idiot. Uh, can't stop it. No you reap what you sow as long as what you sow are pumpkin yeah. seeds. This is you reaping. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, this is you sowing. Uh, That's going to blow around. out so crazy. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's like, what did you think we were doing with all like the blood rituals and shit? And he's like, well, fine, I'll... We did all these blood rituals back here. <laughs> he's like, oh, fine, I'll go and stop it myself. Oh, <laughs> Sandy. And she's like, yeah, you ain't shit, you little bitch. You're not going to do it. You'll fail and you'll die. And then she's like, oh, and by the way, on account of me cutting your hand and putting your blood in the bowl and shit, you're going to hell now. And he's like, oh... Who's going to hell now? 
Ed, 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 Ed Hardy. Ed Harley. <laughs> yeah, Ed Hardy. <laughs> Ed Hardy's going to hell. People who wear Ed Hardy are going to hell. Yeah. So back to the teens. We get this shot. I don't know if you if this conjured up the same thing for you, but I genuinely think here's the only moment I'm certain of that inspired something else. Uh-huh. It's this inspiration. Do you remember the bit in Independence Day where the alien is captured, but it's in the room with the scientist and it busts out and it like presses um. a scientist's head up against the glass? Open the door. Get him out of there. No, wait. This has a shot that is exactly the same. You're an idiot. Where Pumpkinhead like presses one of the teen... It pushes Maggie's face up against the kitchen window and is like taunting the other teens with it, like mashing her lips around and shit. I don't know if you remember this, but I'm like pretty convinced this inspired that scene from Independence Day, which similar to you as a kid, like traumatized me. Right. Right. So it's like I don't know. I think there's some. I think there's some interesting ideas in this movie. I think it inspired. I think it quietly inspired a fair few other films that we've seen. So like, the rest of the teens see this. Kim faints, and Joel's like, "I gotta go. Uh, I can't do John Travolta." With <laughs> John's like, "Joel's like, I gotta go. I gotta go kill this thing." Joel's like, "You want to hear three and a half minutes of my thoughts about <laughs> summer nights?" That's right. Joel, I'm deciding, is like Stallone. She's like, I'm going to go. I got to go. I got to go kill this thing. So, like, he picks up a machete that's just randomly sitting on the kitchen Very bench. Rambo. That's on brand for Joel. Yeah. Literally, it, there is a machete in the kitchen. No idea why. And then he walks outside and, like, he sees all their dirt bikes and shit have been destroyed. He screams, like, uh, I'm the one you want. And then he walks back inside and, like, <laughs> you're the one that I'm want. the one you want. <laughs> That would be Ed if Ed was saying that, but uh, yeah. He goes back inside. Um, Kim, who's fainted, is like there on the kitchen floor. Meanwhile, Pumpkinhead kind of like walks into the kitchen and it's like salivating. We get these really nice like shots of the prosthetic head and stuff. It's very Mm -hmm. cool. I thought it was like a cool... I don't know. This monster scene was like the first real look that we get at this Pumpkinhead figure. And I thought it was pretty First cool. time you realize that they don't have a pumpkin as a head. Really like a and head. the woman has to be like, we call it pumpkin head because it's dug out of the pumpkin patch. And it in the pumpkin patch. has a head. And it, like maybe it looks like a weirdly shaped pumpkin, but it's not really like a pumpkin, like a jack-o'-lantern kind of thing. So anyway, so Joel like gets his fucking macho on and he swings the machete and pumpkin head's like you dumb bitch and it like grabs his <laughs> arm and just fucking throws him just yeets him like out actually yeah. he like it like hits him in like a stop hitting yourself kind of way which i thought was very <laughs> funny <laughs> and then just drags kim away so kim's now gone yeah so there's three left right it takes her to the top of like a really tall tree and then in front of the other three just like drops her onto this rock like midsummer style. We've all been dropped onto a rock. We've you all don't need to drop her rock from a tall tree. So we got three teenagers left. Three teenagers. Three teenagers. Don't talk down to right. me. And they, and they just fucking run. So Ed then in his uh, quest to try and stop what's going on gets back to the house and he finds the bodies and he's like, oh, no, I'm, I'm fucking up. And then the teenagers... <laughs> oh, Sandy! 
Oh no! How am I gonna undo this? <laughs> so they get to that. Sing with me, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy, uh, I gotta oh. shout my feelings in song. <laughs> so they get to the the teenagers. If only had a really fast car, we could race to the LA River. Jump in, Sandy! I'm gonna go stop this. <laughs> so they get to the the teenagers get to the house of the Wallaces. And we get this call back to the opening scene of the film where like Tracy's banging on the door being like, You gotta help us and Mr. Wallace is like, Nope, fuck you, fuck off. I'm not I'm not helping you for shit. Mm-hmm. You're marked. There's nothing we can do about it now. <laughs> and um they keep going past the house they, they come upon this truck and they're trying to steal it and the owner comes up and they're like please mister we need your help and he's like uh, fuck off I, I can tell pumpkin heads after you <laughs> fuck off I don't even like Saturday Night Fever everybody that they encounter is just like get fucked you're fucked and so he's like they're all like you're marked like you can't do anything and as he says that, lightning strikes and Pumpkinhead is on the ridge above them, right? So he starts advancing on them and then suddenly a shot rings out, right? Blam! It's Ed Hardy. He's there, he's wearing his the guy with the signature hat. clothing range. <laughs> there to stop what he started. He's wearing a camo t-shirt and an awful mesh cap. That's right. So he's like, um, he shoots it and <laughs> it just shrugs it off. And so he shoots it again. And it seems like it's done its damage this time. So Pumpkinhead falls. And then Joel, confident as ever, like walks up to it. Chris, one of the other teenagers, is like, Joel, no, you don't know if it's dead yet. And Joel's like, I'm pretty sure it's dead. I'm pretty sure I know it's dead. (laughs) Pumpkinhead when I see one. (laughs) And then lo and behold, it, it comes back to life. It grabs Joel, stabs him through the chest with his gun. It growl. That's right. It growl. So the other, the two remaining teenagers, Chris and Tracy, fucking run off and ed watches the pumpkin head start to like rip joel to pieces and then he's got another he has another one with another one of his uh signature episodes where he's like acting the same way as uh as pumpkin head and then is attacked randomly by a dog uh. no idea why this scene happened um yeah but yeah very strange anyway so he gets attacked by a dog and then we're back at the wallace house Chris and Tracy get back to the house. Once again, they beg them to let him in. And once again, Mr. Wallace is... Oh, sorry. Buck is like... Um, I told you to rock off. And you, mean tells, George, you mean George Flowers? Sorry, George Flowers. Yeah. George Flower, actually. It's just just the one flower, Buck! actually. So, it, yeah, he's like, fuck off. And then he, his family's there watching it. He's like... And then he tells his family, like, go to bed, by the way. And his oldest son, Bunt, <laughs> is getting dressed after he tells him to go to bed. His sister Missy wakes up and she's like, where are you going, Bunt? And he's like, you promise not to tell? She's like, sure. And he's like, well, sp- sp- spit on my finger if you promise. Did <laughs> 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 you see that? <laughs> he makes him like, yeah, he makes her like spit on his finger. What the fuck? And then it's like a, it's like a pinky promise type thing. But when you pour in a hick, you yeah, make great. him like spit well, on your finger. you can't afford a pinky. That's right. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't got no fingers left on account of working in the machinery. And then he wipes his finger off. He's like, all right, I'll tell you. I'm going to go help these folks. So he goes out the window. And I, I think I saw that he's wearing Converse. <laughs> Which is very funny shit. Um, but then so Bunt finds these two remaining teenagers. And right. he's like, what does it look like? And they're like, you got to fucking help us. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, shit. Right. You guys are probably pretty scared. And pumpkin he's like, it. Looks nothing like a pumpkin. <laughs> yeah, he's like, all right, I'm going to... Uh, they're like, 
uh, okay, we'll tell you, but you got to help us. He's like, okay, fine, but not here. We can't talk about it here. <laughs> so he takes him to this ruined church, and he's like, um, I-, I think it's like some sort of demon, so I don't think it's going to like this place. And they're like, all right, you sound like you know what you're talking about. And then he explains to them that like Pumpkinhead is some sort of demon or whatever that can be conjured up when someone is like seeking revenge. And so clearly like they find out that, yeah, it's because they killed this fucking kid and this guy went and he was like, oh, right. a little four-eyed fuck. That's right. And so they're like, mm, I wonder if it's kind of related to that kid that we killed. <laughs> and then immediately Pumpkinhead shows up again. Like, doesn't seem like it's scared off by the church at all. So yeah. Picks up this crucifix, like, smashes it. <laughs> and then um, Ed Harley shows up at the Wallace household. And he's like, open up. We got to stop it. We got to fucking fix what I... And Wallace, once again, does a signature move of just telling someone to he's fuck like, off. He's like, grommet! We've got to save the, the children from Pumpkinhead. And Wallace is like, oh, fuck off. Back to the teenagers again. This film has some pacing issues. The teenagers get back to their cars and bikes. Chris tries to start one of the bikes, but uh, Tracy's all of a sudden like, look out. And then Pumpkinhead's like jangling the bike chain, being like, ah, you fucking idiot. And then he throws Chris and the bike just into like a creek and then drags him off. So Bunt and Tracy are left. Bunt. That's right. And they try and run away. And then who should they run into but Ed Hardy who's literally like, come with me if you want to live. (laughs) And then they get in his truck, he starts driving, and they go to his place. And he's like, all right, just fucking stay inside. It'll all be over soon. We'll be fine. And he goes to his garage. And Tracy can't wait, so she goes to talk to him. He's working on this machinery, and she's like, you got to call it off. And he's like, nothing can call it off. Haggis told me. (laughs) And then he lights the flamethrower that we saw earlier. So we've yeah. got a fucking flamethrower, finally. Chekhov's gun's paid off. Chekhov's flamethrower. Just like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So he starts having another episode because Pumpkinhead shows up at his house. It drops Chris at the doorstep. Chris is still alive. He starts kind of crawling away. There's this like great moment where... Um, so it starts going through the house where Bunt is hiding. And there's this really brilliant moment where Bunt's in the closet and Pumpkinhead like, pokes its head in. And then it leaves. And then it comes back and it's like, gotcha, bitch! And it starts like pushing its head right up into Bunt's face. I don't know if you saw that. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, okay. I don't know if you're watching the movie by this point, but... (laughs) Um, And so... My boy's a purist. He watches movies. That's right. So Bunt runs. Ed runs to try and meet it. And he walks outside with a flamethrower, but he catches himself on this pitchfork that's leaning up against the thing. So and it the like pitchfork's like, uh, oh, Jet's second album's only a two <laughs> out of right. ten. Ugh, monkey like, peeing in its own mouth. The music you like sucks. So <clears throat> he like catches it, the pitchfork up in its ribs and the <laughs> monster reacts the same as him. So you realize like, okay, these two are physically linked and that's why he's been having these episodes. So something about the ritual has like put these two things in contact with one another. Yeah. Right. And so then Ed Holly you see his face like looking all fucked up. He's got these crazy contacts in. It's like his, all his veins are popping out and shit. The monster's face kind of starts looking like his face. He starts crawling away to his car and he retrieves this pistol from the glove box. Meanwhile, Tracy picks up the flamethrower and lets it loose on Pumpkinhead. 
but it only kind of singes him. It doesn't really do anything. Mm. And that's when Ed realizes he knows what he's got to do. So he shoots himself through the head, right? Through the Ed. Through the Ed. He he shoots himself <laughs> through the Ed. Through Ed's Ed. <laughs> and then it doesn't quite kill him. So Tracy has to pick up the gun and she finally shoots him a bunch of times more. And then Pumpkinhead dies for real and it erupts into flame. Yeah. And so then Tracy and Chris are the two left alive. I think Bunt might survive as well. Goes yeah. off to be shitty to his family again. And so we're left with the final scene, which is Haggis burying another corpse where Ed dug up the body. When we look at what she's actually burying, it's something that looks a lot like Pumpkinhead. What? But, but it doesn't have any characteristics to it that would define it as perhaps not exactly like the Pumpkinhead pumpkin. that we saw, but it might be a different character that has like a necklace or something that well, was given by Well, it's funny that you kid. bring up the necklace thing because it is in fact what? the necklace Whoa. That <laughs> <laughs> that Ed Hardy had his kid make for him at the start of the film. So, so the cycle head. of revenge continues until the next fucking fool decides to go to Haggis and say, can you res my dead kid? And she's like, he was out of respawns. Sorry. This is the way it goes. But you can play the bad guy. I don't know if you any of you followed him. that, but that's our review of Pumpkinhead. I would say Pumpkinhead is... I have no opinions on this film. Worth <laughs> watching with a crew? I feel like Oscar checked out about 10 minutes into that bit. (laughs) I was having a great old time. (laughs) Worth watching with a crew at Pumpkinhead, I would say. I think it was was a good movie. I enjoyed it. I didn't seriously enjoy it in any major way. Yeah, I think you preferred the vintage aesthetic of Night of the Living Dead. I think Pumpkinhead had some really interestingly shot bits. I think it was extremely stylized. The super Not dramatic lighting was really cool. Yeah, and I think the monster design is also very sick. And like does actually a lot of the heavy lifting where you're like, this thing is kind of fucking scary. It does look like a fucked up kind of human Mewtwo monster thing. I'm so fucked up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Not much substance to it. It almost felt like a Grimm's Brothers fairy tale. Like, it was very basic, very metaphorical. If you want a dumb, stereotypical 80s ass... Like a real slasher... Slasher slasher kind of horror movie. This is a cool one that I'd never heard of. So yeah. it's probably worth worth stealing. Yeah. We watched it on, like, a dumb fucking, like, pirate streaming website that... Yeah, shout out to our sponsor, F-Movies. Yeah, great. So there's, there's, there's the link for it. Is that all we got for our spooktacular? Yeah, that'll Ooh. that'll just about do us. Thank you for joining us. Let us know your favorite horror movies in the comments section down below. Mm. Idiot, there is no comment section. <laughs> You'll have to get in contact with get us on, on the, get on the page beefstationpod at gmail.com or on the Facebook page, which will also be linked in the description of this episode. Thank you for joining us. Next week we are probably going to be going to the movies. Maybe. 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 Maybe, or there might Maybe. be, some, or there might be some some Annette some some, Annette, some Annette. Yeah, what? you okay? Summonats. <laughs> some uh, we're gonna go to Summonats, boss. We're going to Summonats. Stupid fucks. Beef station goes to Summonats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna do something. Whatever the fuck movie we watch next week, it'll be in the description of this week's episode. Yep. So you can stay tuned for that. In the meantime, follow us on Facebook and email us if there's anything that you were scared by. You scared little bitch. Not childhood trauma, though. Don't. That's you should share that with a therapist. No, no, we're the only therapist. But also, I'm need. here if you need to talk about it. It's Andrew's fine. here. If yeah. you come to his house, which is on twelve, do not come to my house. 
<laughs> I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. See you later. I'm going to play tracks on the Dracula laughing and shit. Like through all of this shit as well? Yeah, probably. So this is probably still going now. Yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to do some like ghoulish thrillers and shit. Oh no, we're going to get sued. Yeah, we have to see you later. Goodbye. That's it. Bye. Share up thriller.